Go to 1 Samuel, the second chapter. 1 Samuel. We have in this first and second chapter the story of uh, Samuel's conception and his birth. And as has happened in more than one case, Samuel's mother was barren. You know, Sarah was barren. And uh, Rachel. You know, just because something uh, has been dead and unable to produce doesn't mean it can't change. Hmm? And just because something has been dead doesn't mean it can't be revived and made alive. That includes lives, relationships, ministries, hmm? body parts. How many believe God could touch a dead kidney and it just start working again? Hmm? Part of a heart that's dead, part of a liver that's dead. Could God touch it? How easy would it be for the creator of the heavens and earth just to touch it? And it just comes back alive, even though it was dead and dried and shriveled up for years. Can he do it? Yes. Yes. Well, Samuel's mother is named Hannah. And uh, in the first chapter, I said second chapter, didn't I? First chapter is where we should start. Uh, Hannah was a very unhappy woman. Verse 7 said she cried and wouldn't eat. Everybody said that loud. She cried and wouldn't eat. Say it again. She cried and wouldn't eat. Verse 8. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why you cry all the time, baby? And why won't you eat? And why is your heart grieved? You got me. <laughs> and she said, Aah! started crying some more. <laughs> he said, Come on, baby. I, I mean, I'm better than 10 sons, ain't I? I mean, you, you, got, you got you a good man. And. She just cried and kept on crying. You know, we human beings are most of the time creatures of habit. Whatever you get used to, you tend to continue in, stay in. You know, that's why it's dangerous to to do something and just keep doing it that you know you shouldn't be doing. Because you can... Adapt to it. Do you know you can adapt to almost anything? People can get used to the most terrible conditions. Can't they? You do it. You live like that long enough. And your mind becomes deceived into thinking this is normal. Because I got up and did the same thing the last five years. This is my life. And how many... We're born again after you're older. And you saw life could be different (laughs) than the way you had lived. 
and the rut and the routine. Well, even after you're a believer, you can live like an unbeliever still. You can yield to depression. And so she, Hannah got into this rut of crying and being bitter and being, living in grief. Somebody say living in grief. Living in grief. She lived in grief. And uh, so she got up and she went to the temple. And verse 10, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept sore. Now, so she's doing spiritual things. But is it paying off for her? She's crying. She's bitter. She's grieved and praying and praying and crying and bitter. And apparently did this for years with no miracles, no answers, no results. Can you see this, friend? People get in a a rut of crying and praying. And because they're praying, they think, well, this must be good. I'm being spiritual. No, just because you're praying doesn't mean you're doing something spiritual. Or even doing something good. Praying in unbelief is not spiritual or good. Being bitter as you approach to the Lord. Because see, where does this bitterness come from? When you're talking to the Lord and you're bitter of heart, what's going on there? You must be blaming him some. Or that you'd be glad in his presence. But when you remain bitter in his presence while you're praying, even though it may not be said, it's in you that why hasn't he already done something for me? Why am I still going through this? Which is not spiritual and it's not good. And yet because people are praying and maybe doing a lot of it, and they're so sincere and they're so intense, they feel like I'm more spiritual than most people. I have to be because of my attacks and the things that are going on in my life. No, no, that's crying and being bitter is flesh. It's being self-centered. And you can pray for 40 days and 40 nights and absolutely waste your time and miss God. Just because you're praying doesn't mean you're doing anything good or right or spiritual. Because you can pray right, you can pray wrong. You can pray in the spirit, you can pray in the flesh. You can pray in faith and love and you can pray in fear and bitterness. And if you're praying in fear and bitterness, you'd be better off asleep than praying. There's some prayers that actually anger the Lord, that actually irritate Him. Did you know that or not? Search the Scriptures and see. There are times people have been praying to Him and He'd tell them, hush, shh, get up, quit this. Quit, quit doing this and step out and do this. There's times he'd interrupt people and say, don't ask me about that anymore. Don't pray about that anymore. They thought they're being so spiritual because they're just praying, 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 praying. But prayer is not supposed to be a monologue. And the person who knows the most should do the most talking. 
<laughs> this is a real problem. People pray, but you know, ever how you are with people is exactly how you are with God. If you won't shut up with people and nobody can get a word in edgewise, that's exactly how you are with the Lord. Don't kid yourself. You don't just flip a switch and turn into somebody else when you fold your hands. <laughs> well, I know you weren't expecting this tonight, but, but here you are. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again. I say rejoice in everything. Give thanks. Let's offer up the praise, sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. Continually. The fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. Huh? Let's exalt the Lord together. That is his praise will continually be in my mouth. Did the psalmist say that? Psalm 34. It said out loud, His praise praise shall continually continually be in my mouth. mouth. And are you you supposed to have a glad heart connected with that? It's not supposed to be just dead and just oldness of the letter. It's supposed to be newness of life. Hannah got in a rut where she stayed for years of feeling sorry for herself. Why? Why? Because of something she didn't have and something she couldn't do and something she didn't know. She couldn't conceive. So she couldn't have a child and couldn't be a mother. And she doesn't know why. And it makes her sad because it's so important to her. And she became obsessed with what she didn't have. And she got in a rut that she was stuck in for years. The reason I bring that up, because the Lord spoke that to me years ago. He said to me, son, yourself and tell others, don't talk about what you don't know. Don't talk and think about what you don't have. Don't talk and think and meditate on what you can't do. Why? Because... It only feeds unthankfulness. And it feeds ignorance and darkness and confusion. Because the way you come out is what the psalmist said, in thy light we see light. Well, I don't know, I don't have, I can't do, it's not light. It's darkness. Isn't I don't know? Is that light? It's darkness. I know a when I was a first year student at Rainbow Bible Training Center, Phyllis and I invited some other students over to our little apartment and, and we had a little meal and we talked. And, and uh, before the night was over, somebody brought up this uh, scripture that everybody agreed was a difficult passage, hard to understand. And so, man, we, we're, we're just first year students, you know, but we kicked that thing around. And we all agreed that it was quite a difficult passage. <laughs> and everybody left, and I'm laying down to go to sleep. And as I got quiet, the Lord spoke to my heart. 
I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, like he'll speak to every Christian if you listen to him. He, he said, uh, son, would you like to understand that verse? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, now you're further away from it than you've ever been. And he began to talk to me about that's not how revelation comes. Talking about how you don't know. And talking about how hard it is. You're hearing the difficulty. You're hearing the confusion. You're hearing the ignorance. And faith comes by hearing. Faith in what? In how dumb you are. Faith in how hard it is. There's no light. It's only going to get darker. So you're not going to help yourself by talking and thinking about what you don't know. Talk about what you know. Think about what you know. What do you know? You may not know much, but you can know this. God is real. God is real and God loves me. And I'm born again. I'm a child of his. My name's in the Lamb's book of life. (laughs) Now see... You're already in some light. Come on, can you see? There's already a quickening. There's all, and, and you keep talking about that. And what you know in his light, you will see more light. Oh, come on, can you see this, friends? You talk about what you don't have. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough work. We don't have enough contracts. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough gear. We don't have enough equipment. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough days until. We don't have enough weeks in the month. We don't have enough money for the month. We don't have enough. You're hearing something. Faith comes by hearing. Faith in what? Faith in lack. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. Can't do it. What are we going to do? You're talking about what you don't know. How are we going to do it? Well, how many times you need to say that? You never had, never had to say it the first time. Did you? What could you have said instead? Well, I may not know about all that. But the greater one lives inside me. I have the mind of Christ. I have the anointing of the Holy One. He, he shows me all things that I I need to know and see. The Spirit of God leads and guides me into all truth. He brings to my remembrance everything the Lord has said to me. He will show me things to come. Come on, everybody say, He will show me things to come. Now, how much better is that instead of talking about how, what you don't know? Now you're in the light. And in that light, what can happen to you? You can get more light. Where are you going to get more light? In the ignorance? In the darkness? In the light? In the won't? No, it'll get darker. The more you talk about what you don't know and what you don't have, the darker and darker and more confused and more hopeless it'll get and seem the more helpless you'll feel. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You say, I don't know. And guess what? You don't know. You say it another hundred times and you cry and you're very intense. I just don't know. I just don't. I don't. Oh God, I don't know. You really believe it and you are really ignorant. You really don't know. 
And people are doing this and thinking they're spiritual because they said God a time or two in the midst of all of it. (laughs) This is absolutely unspiritual. No. It takes some strength to not just yield to how you feel and stand up and wipe your eyes and say, I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. And the one who lives in me This did not surprise him. He already knew about this before it ever came up. And he knows the way to go. And he loves me and he'll show me. And he orders my steps. He is directing my paths. I will see the right thing. I will know the right thing. You got to say it when you don't have a clue. You say it by faith. Don't talk about what you don't know. Don't talk about what you don't have. Don't talk about what you can't do. People think it's humility, but it's unbelief. You say, well, I, I wish we could do something, but we just, we just don't have it. And we just don't have it. I wish we could. I do, I do. But, we, <laughs> but if you don't have it, you don't have it. And we, we don't have it. In fact, we really don't have it. And we, <laughs> we, we haven't had it for years. Nothing humble about that. Nothing spiritual about that. You could claim it. You could ask for it. You could believe you receive it. You could begin to say, I will have it. I will have it. I will have it. Don't talk about what you don't have. Talk about what you do have. In the light of that, you will see more light. Don't talk about what you don't know. Don't think and talk about what you don't have. Don't think and talk. Don't listen to other people talk about what you can't do. I know sometimes uh, people might think about me that I uh, keep to myself. And uh, some situations I do. I mean, if I'm out on the road or wherever I am, If people are not going to talk faith, I'm not interested. And if I can't influence them and get them with me, I'm not going to sit and let them pour unbelief in my ears for two hours. I got better things to do. Like, go take a nap. (laughs) Or anything except that. I am absolutely not interested in anybody telling me what can't be done. Or what we don't know. Or what we don't have. Or what we need. Saying you need something requires no faith. We need this. We got to have this. We need this. How many times do you need to say that? It takes faith to say we'll have it. God has met our needs every time. He's been so faithful. He's come through. We'll have it. We'll have it. We'll have it. Quit talking about what you need. Talk about what you have. I know this sounds simple, but friend, this is life and death. This is being healed or not. This is coming out of dead or going under. Right here. It's so simple. So simple. 
Hannah got in a rut, didn't she? What's she thinking about every day? Help me out. She can't conceive. So she can't be a mother. And she don't know why. It makes her sad. (laughs) But is all this crying helping her? Is it getting her any closer? All this bitterness. All this grief. Is it helping her? Friends, let's wake up. Let's realize what the devil's been doing to people of God. People have been curling up in their bed and pulling the covers over their head. People have been crying and bitter, sour years. How can you get that way? You have to be thinking about what you don't have. What you won't need that you don't have and you can't do and you don't understand. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to talk about it. You can change the channel. Come on, are y'all with me now? You you can change the Now, if you've been doing it for years, it'll jump back over on the other channel by itself. Because you've had it on there so long that you wore a rut in the channel changer. And the button gets stuck on the side in the remote. Pump, 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 just goes right back there. And you may have to whack that thing. Whack it. Boom. Put it back on the faith channel. Don't put it on the crying channel. Don't put it on the bluesville channel. Hmm? Grief channel. Crying. Hannah cried and wouldn't eat. Say it out loud. She cried and she wouldn't eat. And she's praying, but she's in bitterness of heart. She prayed like that for years. No results. No results. How many understand unbelieving prayer is not going to help you? It's not going to move God. It's not going to get any results. It's not going to make you feel any better. It's going to make everything worse. So she's bitter of heart. She's sad. And uh, verse 10, bitterness of soul. Prayed to the Lord and weeping sore. And verse 12, it came to pass as she continued praying, Eli saw her. And verse 13, Hannah, she spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Is she despondent? She's out of strength. See, this stuff will drain you to where you have absolutely no energy to put your foot out from under the covers in the morning. If the joy of the Lord is your strength, what does sorrow and bitterness do to you? It's like, you you can even come to church and get fed a good message. You can read your chapter. You can uh, be in a good meeting. You can have something put into you. But you go back and yield to the grief and bitterness. It's just like somebody pulling the plug on the bathtub. The strength just runs out of you. When you're weak enough, any little old thing is overwhelming to you. And it's not that it's the stuff is so big, it's just that you're so weak. When you're that weak, anything come up, you're like, I can't take it anymore. It's just too much. And it was hardly anything. But it's because you're already overwhelmed to start with. Tell me what's your strength? What makes you strong? 
What, do you, what makes you strong? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Say that loud. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Say it again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Say it again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. What does it take to resist the devil and not give in and be defeated? Take strength. What does it take to lay hold of your blessing and believe you receive it and hold on through it, through anything and everything and never give up and never quit? Take strength. Take strength. What makes you strong? The joy. Particularly when you're dealing with something that's an obstacle, that's an attack, that's a problem in your life. You cannot afford sadness. You cannot afford to be around things that depress you and take you down. You need to be, that's why you need to be a part of a believing bunch. That's why you need faith buddies. And faith buddies are not going to complain to you and cry and act pitiful. They're going to tell you what God has done and what he will do again. And how easy it is for the Almighty. Friend, to be around people like this, to to have friends like this is above rubies. It is without price. I mean, it is, you know, my, my job is to stir you up. But everybody needs stirred up too. So I, you've got to learn how to stir yourself up. You know, who stirs me up? You know, when's the last time you saw me come in and said, I don't feel good. Maybe y'all could encourage me tonight. <laughs> How's that going to help you? No. So I encourage myself. David encouraged himself. And that just blows holes in this stuff about nobody will help me. I need help. (laughs) No, you can't always depend on somebody else. Sometimes they're not around. Sometimes they have stuff going on and just you don't need to be dependent. On somebody else. Build you up. Hold you up. You can do like David. I mean David was in a bad way in that situation. I mean he lost everything. His own men's talking about killing him. For the days out. You're talking about nobody encourage you. When you look for encouragement. You see them sharpening their sword. And they got a bad look in their eye. Looking for encouragement. You're not going to find any in that crowd. So what does he do? Come on, help me out. What does he do? David encouraged himself. You see examples of it in the Psalms, some of them that he wrote that are recorded for us. He'll say things like, why are you cast down, oh my soul? Is he talking to himself? So he's giving himself a pep talk, isn't he? He's saying, hey, David. And he answers himself, yeah, huh, what? 
You got no reason to be down. He goes, that's right. God has done too much for you. He has brought you through too much. He has done too many wonderful, glorious things for you. For you to sit around here and mope like this and act like this. And so you get up and answer yourself and go, you got that right. That is exactly right. (laughs) So who is encouraging who here? He's encouraging himself. Can you do this? Can you do this at your house by yourself on a Tuesday afternoon? Come on. Can you do this without any fast organ music or any wild preacher waving his hands? Can you do it by yourself? Yes, you can. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you? It's very serious, friends. There's a lot of people that just don't know the Lord. I don't know him well enough to know about faith. And somebody has got to be a pillar in your family. Somebody needs to be a rock. What do I mean? No matter how much the relatives and the kinfolks and the friends and neighbors cry and act pitiful and fall apart, somebody needs to keep some joy about them. Somebody needs to keep some faith, some hope, some positive expectation. And that's you. That's you. That is you. There's a reason why the Lord let you know these things. Put this in your heart. Stirred you up. Let you find out about these things. And be a part. It's because he knew you'd receive it. It's because he knew you'd believe it. Knew you're willing to walk in it. And so he needs to be able to count on you. In these situations. That no matter people crying and acting pitiful and. All they want to do is talk about how bad it is. And you go, oh, no, 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 no. No, let me tell you about what God has done. And let me tell you about how it doesn't matter how bad it is. Nothing is impossible. Nothing. Nothing. Every service we have heard testimonies, haven't we? Every service we've heard. We should know by now, not just believe it, but know it having evidence in front of us that nothing's too hard for the Lord. Nothing. We've heard cases that absolutely seemed impossible. And now they're free. They're healed. Their debts are paid. Their marriage is restored. Glory to God. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And somebody needs to be. You, you, I know when I was a kid. Uh, they made this. I forget what it was. Maybe it was a clown or something. Inflatable. But it had a round bottom. And you could punch it. And it'd go back. But it wouldn't stay back. It'd pop right back up and bop you in the face if you didn't watch. Anybody want to know what I'm talking about? You see one of them? That's you. I said, that's you. That's you. No matter what slaps you or hits you, I mean, it may catch you off guard. It might put you on the floor for a moment. A moment. Moment. Because right back up you come. Right back up you come. And you just will not talk defeat. You just will not talk giving up. You will not talk unbelief and fear and failure. You just won't do it. Everybody's ready to pack it in. Everybody said, well, it's it's all over. It's too late. And you still got that wild look in your eye. (laughs) You're like, "Uh uh-uh. God's still on the throne. His word can't fail. (laughs) 
And I'm still looking for a miracle. I'm still expecting. <laughs> you won't get it crying and being bitter. Will you? Hannah had done this for years until she was absolutely without strength. She was spiritually on empty. And there are a lot of Christians right there. They are just hopeless. And they they justify them being this way and living this way day after day because their trials are so great and because of their lot in life. But it just ain't so. There are people that are in worse situations than they are that are shouting to victory. This is the reality. No. If you want to come out, you have to shout. <laughs> huh? If you want to be free, you got to have glee. <laughs> huh? Notice, we're reading the Bible. We know a miracle happened. We know Hannah became able to conceive. We know she had Samuel. Samuel, the man of God. Glory. Is it worth not quitting? Is it worth pushing through all that junk and getting free? It's worth it. You don't know what's on the other side of that. She just knew she wanted a baby. I don't think she had any idea what God had in mind. So Eli looked at her and he said, woman, you know you're not supposed to come into the church house drunk. What is wrong with you? Put the bottle away and go home. And this is a Keith Moore paraphrase. And, and she said, I'm not drunk. Verse 15, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. This is her confession. This is her identification. This is who she is. I am this. And she's justifying it. She's justifying it. You don't stay in a condition year after year without justifying yourself in it. She feels like she has a right to be this way and she does not. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. You see me, Phyllis, Dave, whoever's up here. I see all of you. I see people, regulars. You're, you're our people. You're part of you. I don't think I've seen you smile in a year. I'm not exaggerating. Never smile, never, always. Everybody's praising God and happy and every service, every week, every month. I love you. I don't want to see it like that. God loves you. He don't want to see it like that. And if you think, well, I have to get this fixed before I can be happy, then you will never be happy. Because if that's how you're going to live, If that got fixed, there'd be something else that you'd have to get fixed before you could be happy. 
And if your joy is dependent on something else out here in your life, then your joy is not in the Lord. You don't have to have another dollar. You don't have to lose another symptom. You don't have to have anything happen before you can get happy. You can have joy in the Lord, even full of joy. (laughs) Before the bills are paid. Before the symptoms go away. Come on now. While the walls are still up and the giants are still sitting on your stuff, you can shout. You can shout victory. While the walls are still up. Is it true? That's what faith does. (laughs) Hannah said, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've just poured out my soul before the Lord. She thinks she's being spiritual. And she's just totally defeated. There is no weakness in God. There is no defeat in God. There is no darkness. There is no depression in God. None. None. How many know He is light? And in Him is no darkness. He's life. There's no death in Him. She said, don't count your handmaid for a daughter of Belial. Out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Now, how do you think? I mean, who is she supposed to be telling all this to? Bitterness. Grief, sorrow, complaint. Who's she telling this to? Who? God. How's he liking it? Hmm? Does he want to hear this? Does this bless him? Does she need to explain to him how much she really, 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 really wants this and needs this? Or did he know before the thought ever crossed her mind? Is it blessing him? To hear her, does it move him somewhere and go, man, now that's some, that's some real crying there. That is, bless your heart. Look at that, Michael. Is that crying or is that crying? I mean, this is, man, I ain't seen crying like that 800 years. Does God reward crying? Hmm? No. What pleases him? What pleases him? Crying? Does crying please God? Bitterness? Sorrow of heart? Does it please him? Now see, a lot of people must think it does. He just melts and goes, I've got to do a miracle for them. Because they're so sorrowful. No, no, no. Without faith. It is impossible to please him. Impossible. That means no amount of intent, no matter how sincere or how desperate, no amount of begging and crying and pleading can ever please him when it's faithless. And this is what much of the church world has yet to learn. Religion has taught them to beg, and they're going to beg. And they'll get mad at you if you say anything negative about begging. I'm just going to keep on, keep on what? What? 
She said, out, out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken. There. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how did all this get in her? She must have got up thinking about, talking about what she didn't have, what she couldn't do, what she didn't know. She must have thought about it all day long and went to bed thinking about it because she got full of it, didn't she? She got obsessed with it. And it made her miserable. And what kind of, you know, Elkanah's out working all day. He comes home. She's been crying in the house all day. Might have got a little bit of housework done, probably not much, because when you're this depressed, you're so weak, you only pick your hand up. That's just a fact. So does that make him want to rush home early? <laughs> Huh? <laughs> you should see some of the looks across the crowd. <laughs> he want to hurry up and get home so he can get in this environment of gloom. So he can hear her sobbing. Sometimes it's quiet. Soft sobs. Because she's trying not to bother anybody. Did you know a person cannot make a sound and yet be a terrible irritation? (laughs) Why? Because of this bitterness, this sorrow, this grief, this depression. It's spiritual, it's real. And other people, if they got any smarts, they want to get away from it. They don't want to live in that. They don't want to be around that. And then that makes the person that's yielding to it all the more upset and mad. Well, I need your help. I need you to be there for me. And they're like, "Mm, I need to get away. It's been like this for eight years. And dear Lord, help me, Master. And people justify it because of what they don't. Have what they can't do, what they don't know, because they really, really need it. (laughs) Eli said, you need to go (laughs) in peace, (laughs) but go, (laughs) because we're trying to have church around here. (laughs) Now go in peace. And the God of Israel grant you your petition that you have asked of him. Now here's where the breakthrough came. I said here's where the breakthrough came. She said let your handmaid find grace in your sight. Is that a up response? Let your handmaid find grace in your So the woman went away and did eat. And her countenance was... Let's put ourselves in the moment. She's been depressed. She's been in this rut for years. Made everybody around her miserable. Wasted years of their life that they won't get back. She hasn't conceived. She still has no baby. She still has no reason in the natural to be happy. But a radical change occurs. 
right here talking with the man of God. What happened to her? What happened to her? He said, go in peace. And the Lord, the God of Israel, grant your petition that you've asked of him. Oh, friends, what is this? Mark 11, 24. What things soever you desire of him, when you pray, cry. Cry and beg until it changes. No, no. Do what? When you pray, do what? Believe Believe what? That one day, some way, somehow, God's going to hear me. Huh? I don't care how much fasting it takes. I don't care how much prayer. I don't care if everybody gets mad at me. I'm going to pray. I may cry some. Believe what? Believe what? Believe what? Believe what? That you receive it. When do you believe you receive it? Not when you see it. Not when you fit. When you prayed. So he tells her, God grant you your request. And she took it like, huh? Is he saying God grants me my request? He said, yeah. <laughs> she said, oh. She said, uh, let your handmaid find grace in your sight. Uh, I'm hungry. <laughs> and she went and saw her husband. Before he's across the church, he thought, glory to God. No Kleenexes? <laughs> no makeup smeared? No. Baby, you hungry? You want to eat? She said, yeah, I'm hungry. He thought, glory to God. And what? Come on. Her countenance was. Come on, say those last three words. What? Say it again. Say it again. No more. No more. Look at your neighbor. Tell them no more. No more. We're not talking about cutting down on it. We're not talking about cutting back on it. We're not talking about weaning off. We're talking about cold turkey. No more. No more sad. No more. No more. No more. Not in this house. Not in this church. No. No more sad. I don't care. What kind of symptoms, what kind of feelings, what kind of things you got to do. If you have to take some toothpicks and prop up the corner of your mouth, <laughs> you say, I will rejoice. Did you hear the word? It didn't say, I feel rejoice. It said, I will rejoice. I will be glad in the Lord. I will. I will. I will. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No matter what. If I have to do it with tears in my eyes, if I have to do it with feelings and circumstances and symptoms in my face, I will be glad. I will rejoice. I will. I will. I will. I will. And friend, as surely as you do that, now you're starting to get in faith. Now you're resisting the enemy. Now you're yielding to the Holy Spirit. 
Now, God, you, what's happening is you're opening up the doors of your life for God to come in. Tell me what happened. She was no more sad. Did something instantly change in their life? What happened? Next thing you know, she conceives. Next thing you know, I mean, what, within a year? She bears a child. Glory to God. Her heart's desire fulfilled. Tell me what she had to do to get it. What she had to do? She had to quit crying. She had to quit being bitter. She had to quit grieving. She had to quit sorrowing. Had to quit complaining. Had to quit praying those kind of prayers. She was no more sad. No more sad. Go to the book of Acts. I don't feel like I'm quite done. No more sad means no more bad. Hmm? (laughs) Did you know which chapter to go to? Yeah, me neither. (laughs) It's somewhere in Acts over here. (laughs) Uh, 27th chapter. People say, yeah, but Brother Keith, you just, you don't know what turmoil my life is. Nobody could rejoice in this. Not so. You don't know, Brother Keith, it's impossible. You can't, you can't even focus enough to, to rejoice. I mean, it's just bombard you. It's right there in your face, in your life, night and day, night and day. Do you remember when the, God delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage and, and they complained and complained and complained and complained and complained and because of their complaining, snakes came in their midst and began to bite them. You remember that? Over in Numbers it talks about it. Snakes began and the people were dying, these poisonous snakes. And Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord told him to put up a serpent on a pole which was a type of Jesus on the cross. John 3 says so. Why serpent? Brass denotes judgment. Serpent denotes the sin and the judgment. He was made sin with our sin. He was judged in our place. And had him hold that up and tell everybody, look, look on the serpent on the pole and you will live. Now think about their circumstances. If I just turned loose Two poisonous snakes in here tonight. (laughs) And you heard somebody holler, I'm bit. And you thought you felt something slimy and scaly come over your foot. (laughs) There'd probably be movement in here. (laughs) Maybe some new doors around here. Now you turn loose, I don't know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, I don't know, poisonous snakes among millions of people. Try to get the scope of this thing. And many people are being bitten. A lot of people are already dead. The camels are spooked. The donkeys, how many know donkeys don't like a bunch of snakes being around? And the sheep, stuff's knocked into the campfires, tents are on fire. People are yelling, people are crying, people are screaming. People are trying to find their kids, trying to find their family. 
trying to get away. I just felt a snake. In the midst of this, what does he tell them? Look on the serpent on the pole. If you look up that word, it doesn't mean a passing glance. The Amplified actually brings out the meaning of the word. Look, it means a steadfast, absorbing gaze. They had to stand up in the midst of the hollering and screaming and running and fires. And even maybe you've been bitten and venom is coursing through your veins. You feel yourself constricting. You feel your heart and your eyes. Everything's doing funny stuff. You know you're dying. But if you can just stand there and ignore all that and push all that out of the way and fix your gaze on the serpent of the pole, the Bible said everybody that did it lived, lived, lived. Is it possible in the midst of the most distracting symptoms, in the midst of the most alarming problems, can you fix your focus on him? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. In Acts, they went on a ship ride. Remember this? And Paul warned them not to go on this particular leg of the journey, but they didn't listen to him. And next thing you know, they got in a hurricane. And oh man, it's bad. They, they threw out the cargo. Well, that's why they're making the trip. But they're so concerned for their life, they threw out all the, the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And then it got so bad, they threw out the ship's equipment. Now when you're throwing overboard stuff you need to drive the ship with, you're desperate. you got to do something radical or you may not make it through the next few hours. And uh, so Paul gets in the belly of that ship and prays and seeks God. And uh, he comes and speaks to him. He said, verse 23, he said, there stood by me, well, well excuse me, verse uh, 21. He said, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. He said, sirs, you should listen to me <laughs> and not loose from Crete. We'd all still be there under a palm tree having fun. <laughs> but no, <laughs> you had to go. But now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Come on, you got to put yourself, put yourself in his place. He's having to yell this over the wind and the water. Hurricane. The ship's rocking and reeling. And the people have thrown up till they can't throw up anymore. <laughs> and what's his word to them? Cheer up! <laughs> what you got to do is cheer up! in the middle of a hurricane somebody say cheer up cheer up cheer up now a whole lot of people in the midst of their situation you tell them that make them mad just flat make them mad cheer up this is serious this is serious yeah serious unbelief Serious fear. Serious depression. Said out loud. Cheer up. Cheer up. 
Come on, say it a little stronger than that. What do you cheer up? Cheer! You got to say it like you're trying to talk over the hurricane. Cheer! Cheer up! Cheer up! Does that mean get up? Get up! Quit being down. Quit being hopeless. Quit be- now, why does that make any difference? Why would he even tell them that? Because the reason you are down is because you don't believe anything's going to change. And if none of them would believe what he told them, would it, would it have affected the situation? Cheer up. Say it again. Cheer up. Cheer up. Say it again. Cheer up. Cheer up. He said, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. But we're going to lose the ship. But that's okay. If you'll cheer up. He said, this night there was an angel came to me. And he said, fear not, Paul. Have you heard this before? When, there, when a true messenger comes from God, you hear this again and again, don't you? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be down. Don't be scared. Don't be depressed. Fear not. Believe only. You'll see a miracle. He said, you you got to be brought to Caesar. you got to preach an engagement you, you cannot miss. You have to be there. <laughs> and God has given you all them that are sailing with you. You know, a real faith man, a real faith woman, people don't know it, but they ought to be glad when they get on the plane with them. When they get on the boat with them, when they get in the car with them. This is just a fact. A lot of folks don't know it, but they should have said, praise the Lord. <laughs> when this one or that one walked on board. Why? Because not that God plays favorites. It's just that some people believe him and some don't. And so... He said, I believe God, it's going to be just as it was told me. And so they tried to do some things that they shouldn't have done. And Paul corrected them and said, these have got to stay in the ship. And uh, they cut the ropes off. And verse 33, while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take food. (laughs) Yeah. Remember the conditions now. He said, this is the 14th day. That you hadn't eaten it. You need to eat. And they're probably thinking, I don't feel like eating. You need to eat. So take some food. Because this is for your health. He's already told them we're going to lose the ship. So you need to get ready to swim. Because there's not a hair going to fall from the head of any. Look absolutely hopeless. And he tells them, you know, there's not a hair of anybody's head going to be destroyed. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And how many think they all were respectful while he was praying? <laughs> and when he had broken, he began to eat. Look at verse 36. Look at verse 36. Look at verse 36. Verse 36, what? Then were they all of good cheer. Can you picture what a scene in the midst of a hurricane? 
howling winds, driving rain, ship creaking and cracking and coming apart. And these guys are what? Of good cheer. Man, if you'd have seen that from the outside, people that don't know anything about faith, they'd have thought, these guys have lost it. Look at them. They're acting giddy out there. They have lost their minds. Mm-mm. They found them. They got a hold of them and quit yielding to fear and depression. Faith rejoices in the face of impossibilities. Faith shouts in front of impenetrable walls of good cheer. And they ate. There's 203 score and 16 souls. And verse 44, you know the rest of the story. They lost the ship, but it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. When did their miracle happen? Was it a hopeless situation? When did their miracle, when did the turnaround, go back to Hannah. When did her turnaround come? When? After all those years of all that crying and sorrow and depression, when did her turnaround come? When she actually believed God had heard her prayer and granted her request and she quits begging and crying and she is no more sad. Next thing you know, here's the miracle. What about here? Where's, where was the turnaround? Where was the turn- They've been out there for days and days and it's just gotten worse and worse. Can you cheer up? In the midst of the most terrible circumstances. Can you? It doesn't get too bad. That you can't in the middle of it. Look up. And begin to rejoice. By faith. I want you to stand up right now. Stand up right now. Lift up your hands. Lift up your eyes. I want you to smile no matter how you feel. <laughs> and tell the Lord. Hold up, hold up. Before you do that. I didn't tell you this while ago, and I should have. When we were talking about Hannah and her depressed crying and praying, and who she talking to, and did he enjoy that? And I know back years ago, I was about to teach on some things about praise, and I was studying the subject, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, uh, if you're not enjoying praising me, he said, don't assume I'm getting much out of it. We need to remember we're talking to somebody. Does he want to hear what we're saying? You know what pleases him? Come on, tell me what pleases him. Faith pleases him. Is faith up or down? Is faith full of hope or hopeless? Is faith weak or strong? Come on. So put a smile on your face. Lift up your head. Lift up your hands. Lift up your face. Say thank you, Lord. Come on, praise him some. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we bless you. Praise you. Praise you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. What do you do with depression and heaviness and fear and despondency? You must resist it. Somebody say resist it. You got to resist it. Stand against it. 
If you've yielded to it for a long time, it, it'll be easy to slip back into it. But you've got to resist it. Say it out loud, I resist it. I resist depression. I resist heaviness. I resist bitterness. I resist sadness. I resist grief. I resist it. Leave me in Jesus' name. Now put your hands up again and rejoice before the Lord. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Oh, I praise you. 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 Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.